Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Indeed he has. It is such a wonderful day. I am so glad that each of you have are here with us today worshiping. What a what a beautiful day and a beautiful time to come and to worship the risen Christ together. If you would take your copy of God's word and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And while you open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to read the narrative, the story of Christ's resurrection from the gospel account of Luke. So you find 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to give us the background for what we are celebrating today. Luke 24 begins, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day and rise. And when they remembered these words, returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to the rest. And Christ is risen. If you would pray with me. Father... We thank you that we serve a risen Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you not only gave us the message of Jesus, but the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of one who defeated death, the testimony of one in whom we can have no doubts that he was your son that all that he said was true by the supernatural act of being risen from the dead, by appearing to many the wounds still in his flesh. And yet he is alive. And Father, he is alive today. We serve a risen Christ seated at the right hand of God. One who is with us, one who intercedes for us, one who has saved us. Father, I pray that today as we think about the power of the resurrection, we think about the power of Jesus and what he has done for us by defeating death, that you may call each of us to greater obedience, to greater trust, to greater faith. Lord, for you are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Christ, our risen Savior, we ask these things. Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word now open to 1 Corinthians 15, you'll find our text today in verses 12 through 20. In verses 12 through 20, and this is a a common text. I'm sure that you have heard it before, possibly, on an Easter service. But it is a passage that is very important. It's not a passage so much about the historical account of Jesus like we just read from the Gospel, or even an account of the proof of the resurrection that we can read in Acts. This is a passage 
that helps us to frame and understand the importance of the resurrection. Not just a historical act. And it's great to believe that there is a historical act that Jesus died and that He raised. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. But the real power begins when we begin to understand what it means to us that Jesus Christ has been raised. What it means to us, the, the, the importance of our faith based upon this, that, that Christ was raised. And this morning, I want to encourage you as Paul encourages his readers in 1 Corinthians. But Christ has been raised. Because Christ has been raised, God is fulfilling many of our deepest longings. Many of the things in which we look for, we desire I would even say God-given desires that all of us universally hold and share, we find met in the resurrection of Christ. We find met in the resurrection. So if you look at this text, let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But... If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He is that He has raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. Paul writes, to some who are doubting the resurrection and saying, if Christ has not been raised, everything that you believe, everything that you've based your life on, everything that you've testified to is of no value at all. If Christ has not been raised, he says, we of all are to be pitied. Because we've wasted our effort, our money, our lives on something that is not true. But look at verse 20. Look at Paul's rebuttal to this. But in fact, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But Christ has been raised. So what should this mean? What should this mean to us? The fact that Paul writes of all of these things that if Christ has not been raised would be in shambles. But then he flips it on his head and he says, but Christ has been raised. If those things that were shambles before, if Christ has not been raised... If it's flipped on its head, those are precious, wonderful things that satisfy some of our deepest longings. And that's what I want us to look at today is these six things that Paul speaks about. He speaks about it in, in the negative sense here. L look at it. It says in verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. The message that we have is in vain. But 
If Christ has been raised, then our preaching is not in vain, right? That would be the opposite when we flip it on its head. Verse 14, your faith is in vain. If Christ has been raised, your faith is not in vain. Verse 15, if Christ has not been raised, we are found to be misrepresenting God. Literally bearing false witness against God. We are lying about what God has said. It's a pretty big accusation, isn't it? Because we've testified that Christ was raised. But since Christ has been raised, then the message, the testifying that the apostles had is not a false witness, but the truth of the work of God. Verse verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But if Christ has been raised, we are no longer in our sins. Verse 18, if Christ has not been raised then those who have fallen asleep have perished. But since Christ has been raised, the dead in Christ have not perished. Verse 19, if Christ has not been raised, we of all men are to be most pitied. But if Christ has has been raised, then we are not to be pitied. Do you see this? Do you see how when we look at it, it, it flips it on its head? Well, We've still stated this in the negative. All we've done is just stated the opposite of the negative. So I want to rephrase these a little bit to help us understand deeper what Paul is writing. That if Christ has been raised, and he has, then these are the glorious and wonderful truths, the wonderful longings that we have in our soul that are met in Christ. Are you with me? I'm going to rearrange them a little bit because it helps us in how we experience Christ. But this is what I want us to do today is I want us to see this. So the first thing that I want us to see to put these negatives into a positive frame is the first thing is that because Christ has been raised, our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Look at verse 17. Instead of saying negatively that we are not in our sins, we can say positively, our sins have been forgiven because Christ has been raised. Amen? That's an amen moment right there. Because Christ has been raised, our sins have been forgiven. I put this first because this is our most basic longing, our most most basic need. We may struggle with poverty. We may struggle with lack of education. We may struggle with being born to to a family, to a place, in a situation that we could not help. All of those things pale in comparison to the most fundamental need that all of us have, and that is to be forgiven from our sins. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of us, our own righteousness, the things that we could do, we could not make right that which we have done. That's what Easter's about. God knowing that we could not make this right, that we could not atone for our sin, sent His Son, Christ He lived sinlessly. We talked last week about the great exchange. Christ on the cross bore our sins upon His body, taking upon Himself our guilt, taking upon Himself our punishment, taking upon Himself all that we deserved, and giving to us His righteousness, His miraculous, wonderful pure righteousness so that if we are in Christ when God looks upon us 
When we have come and our sins have been forgiven, Christ sees not our sin, but he sees Christ's righteousness upon us. What a, what a wonderful thing. This is our deepest longing, our deepest need. How can I be right with God? How can my sins be covered? How can I be restored into fellowship with the, my Creator and my Sustainer? It's through Christ. And what does the resurrection assure us of this? The resurrection, friends, the resurrection is the proof. It is the stamp of approval, if you would, that everything that Jesus Christ said, that everything that Jesus Christ did, of the person He was, of who He testified to be, that He did not just go as a false witness to God and hang on a cross and die. But God raised him from the dead. That is the stamp of approval. This is my son. What he said is true. What he's done is true. What he's testified is true. Do you see that? That is the power. That is the importance of the resurrection. The resurrection is not given for the acquittal of our sins. Jesus Christ on the cross took the punishment for our sins. The resurrection is the proof and the assurance that I serve a risen Savior. That I serve and I follow and I love the one who said that he would pay for my sins that did the work for me and I can trust in him knowing that he has been raised by God. The sacrifice was accepted. Do you see that? Oh, how it should satisfy us that Christ has been raised. We can have great assurance that our sins are forgiven. What Paul says here is if Christ wasn't raised, Christ would have said, I'll, I'll tear the temple down, I'll build it up in three days. I will rise again. All of the Old Testament prophecies. If Christ had done everything and yet not been raised, we would say, well, you know, I, I like the idea of Jesus I like the idea of him coming and, 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 and he looks like he's a good guy. And I'm going to believe in it, but I'm just not sure that what he said was really true. Do you get that? If you take the power of the resurrection out of the picture, you have no confidence in your salvation. But when we understand that Christ was raised, oh, the assurance that we have. That my Savior, God accepted. My Savior died for me. My Savior rose again. And my Savior will save me and raise me again one day as well. Oh, but Christ has been raised. The second thing that Paul says that we can state is that our faith is well-founded. Our faith is well-founded. If Christ has raised from the dead, our faith is well-founded. And we see this negatively in verse 14 where he says, our faith is not in vain. Our, our faith, if, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. You can turn around and say it's not in vain. But you could also say positively, our faith is well-founded. Jesus Christ is trustworthy. Friends, deep in each of our hearts... We all desire someone who is trustworthy. Someone who we know will always be there for us. Someone who we know will always tell us truth. Who will always lovingly 
give us advice, even at times when we've done wrong. Someone who will never break our trust. Someone who we can always count on. Someone who will always show great mercy and great love and great care. Friends, that's Jesus Christ. Our faith is well-founded. Because of the resurrection, we know that He is true. We know that His message is true. We know that the things that He said, the things that He did, the things that it pointed to is true. And we can trust in Him. Friends, are you trusting in Christ in that way? Oh, that the resurrection would prove to us and and satisfy our longings for a message to trust in, for, for, for Christ. Oh, that it would make a difference in the way that we live and the way that we act. Could you imagine what your life would be like if you fully trusted Christ with everything? Held nothing back. That's what the resurrection does for us. It says He is true. This faith is true. It is true. It, even in times when it doesn't seem reality, it is the ultimate reality. Christ says, lay your treasures up in heaven, not on earth. It is true. Christ says, we will live eternally. This life is but a moment. There is so much more to come, so live for that. It is true. Because Christ has been raised, our faith is well-founded. Our faith is trustworthy, and our Savior is trustworthy. Amen? The third thing that the resurrection shows us is that the gospel is true. Christ is, Christ is trustworthy. Our faith is well-founded. And the message of the gospel is true. Look at verse 15. Instead of saying that the apostles are false witnesses, what we can say because Christ is risen is that the message of the, gospel, the, message of the apostles, which is the gospel which is the good news, the work of Jesus Christ, what what God has done to save us sinners through His Son coming, living in our place, dying in our place, giving us His righteousness. This message is true. We believe that, right? Do we really, really believe that? Again, times it doesn't seem true. We still have suffering. We still fight with sin. We still have these things around us. But the resurrection allows us to bank our hope that this message is true. Friends, this satisfies such a longing in us. We all want to know what we believe is true. Right? We all want to know at the end of our life that that which we believe, that which we, 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 we banked on, is true and is good. The resurrection gives us this hope. The resurrection gives us this in a culture where there is no absolute truth. What's good for you might not be good for you. It's not good for them. What they do that isn't good for you is good for them. And it's all equally good. In that world of nonsense, there stands a message for all men For all women, repent and believe in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of your sins. It is the only way of salvation. It is true, universally, for everyone. Oh, friends, the confidence that comes in that. 
We have no doubts because of the resurrection. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He made that statement, and then God rose him from the dead to prove that it's true. Do you get that? Do you see that connection with the resurrection? Friends, there's no, for me it's this way, for them it's this way. All paths lead to the top of the mountain. That's not the message of Scripture. That's not the message of Jesus Christ. The message is believe in Jesus, repent of your sin, and live a life to follow Him as a disciple. That's the message. The resurrection proves this for us. Fourth, instead of saying that we are to be pitied, it says that, that if, if the resurrection is not true and we've given our lives to this, we've, we've made the effort to do this, we've done these things in our lives, we've made these choices, we give up our beautiful Sunday mornings to come and sit and listen to the Word of God, we, we give a portion of what God has given us back to Him for the work of the ministry and the advance of the gospel, we sacrifice our time, we sit through meetings, we serve on committees, we serve others in the name of Jesus. If Christ has not risen, that is all to be pitied. Oh, what a waste. But if Christ has risen, if Christ has risen, friends, we are to be envied. We are to be envied. Our, in our day, in our world, in our culture, everyone is looking for a purpose outside of themselves. This is a longing that God has given us. You take people who are, are infinitely rich, infinitely popular in the culture, and they're always trying to look at how I can help someone else and how I can do something else. It's something greater than me. Because God has made us all in His image, as image bearers of God, to glorify Him. That is our purpose that we are created for. And so it's, no, is it, is it, is it confusing to you that we would want something more than us? We were created for so much more. We were created to glorify God. To glorify God. And friends, because of the resurrection, because of its truth, because of its establishment of the message of Jesus Christ and who He is, we have the greatest thing in the world. The culture wants to go and, and, and set up these, these things to go and help people or feed people or give them wells or save the animals or, or all of these little things and they're not bad things within themselves but at the end of the day they're empty. We've been given the task to glorify God and proclaim the gospel to individuals that their souls, eternal souls might not go to hell but they might know Christ and live for Him. What a wonderful, incredible message. We've been given the responsibility and, and the ability to serve God. Do you understand the impact of that? When you help here in the church, it's not just for us. It is for the service, for the kingdom, for God Himself. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? I mean, could, could you imagine, has anyone ever had a job that you thought, man, that's a, that's a great job. I would love to have that. that. That sure looks satisfying. Christ has called each of us 
to come and be his disciples, to take his yoke upon us, to, to die to self and live for him, to be engaged in the work and the service of the kingdom, a work and a service that eternally yields benefits. Oh, what a hope we have. What a task we have. What a glorious and wonderful thing it is to serve the Lord. Amen? It's not empty. It's not foolish. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And it will reap benefits eternally. Fifth, we have good news to share. We have good news to share. Verse 14 says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. The message of Christ is silliness. It's worthless. It's pointless. But... If Christ has been raised, then we have good news to share. Do you get that? We have good news to share. Oh, friends, the, the, the world waits for good news. Bad news, horrible stories dominate our headlines. They trouble our hearts. It doesn't take much time at all to start thinking about the situations of the world, the situations within our own neighborhoods, and to become overwhelmed with how bad the news is, to become overwhelmed with how dark it looks, how much sin has a foothold within our culture, how much suffering there is, but because of Christ. Because he has been raised, we have good news. We have good news. Do you think of the gospel as good news? Oh, that we would think of the gospel as good news as we would understand that the resurrection of Christ gives us a message worth saying. How we would take it to our children, to our family, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to strangers, and say, I've got good news for you. I've got wonderful news. Your greatest need. That which you need more than anything else, more than education, more than money, more than anything else is satisfied in Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven of your sins and you can live for Him. Oh, what wonderful news! Because Christ has been risen, we have good news to share. We have wonderful news to share. Oh, that we would understand this good news like the multi-level marketing companies. Okay, I'm not, if somebody here is doing it, I don't know that you are, so don't take offense, but the newest thing in our culture is, is, it's been around for a while, but it's come back really strong. Some kind of a health product, some kind of a, a small product, some kind of something, and usually they're, they're good products, but they, they, they sell them because they convince, they, 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 somebody gets a hold of it and they use it and they like it and they think, man, this is wonderful. This is great stuff. And they create marketing and opportunity and incentive. And at the end of the day, the individual that's doing it, yeah, they're making a little bit of money off of it, but they really want you to, to have this product because they really are convinced that it will be good for you. Right? And they can be aggressive. <laughs> okay? Friends, that we would understand the good news of Jesus Christ and the implications of that good news for all people. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you are now. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. Friends, the message of Jesus Christ is for anyone, anytime, any place who would repent of their sins and trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior will have a new life, will be forgiven for all of your sins. That's good news. It costs nothing and it gives us everything. That's good news. Because of the resurrection, we have life everlasting. There is life everlasting. This is the final point that I want to make here. You see the progression we've started with entrance into faith. We're leaving with a hope in that when we die, there will be heaven. There will be God's kingdom eternally. And we see this because he says that if the resurrection didn't happen, then there is no hope whatsoever that all that Jesus said about the kingdom, all that he said about eternally, there's no hope that that's true. Oh, but friends, Christ has raised. And because of that, because we can look to Christ, we can have confidence that if I trust in him, I too will be raised to new life. We can have confidence in our loved ones, in our friends, in our family, in in those who have gone to be with the Lord in faith, that right now they sit before God Almighty awaiting the day when He will make all things new again. Because of the resurrection, it satisfies that. We all want to get to the end of our life. We all want to go to the end and, and realize and understand there is more than just this life. And friends... The resurrection shows us that there is. Do you know this? Do you hope in this? Friends, this is the greatest news in the world. Do you see how Paul shares it like this? The resurrection, If we, we, we must hold to the resurrection. We must believe in the resurrection. We must have a firm foundation on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because in it, Our deepest longings, our hopes are met through Jesus Christ. The things that God has created us to long for and to yearn for are satisfied. Because the resurrection is true. Because Christ has been raised. Oh, this is the greatest news in all the world, is it not? What a wonderful message. What a wonderful thing. It's not just a history lesson. It's not just about women going to a tomb and not finding Jesus there. It's not just about angels that appeared. It's not just about an earthquake and a stone moved away. It is about the fact that Jesus Christ has conquered death. And God has shown us that we can hope in this message. Oh, I pray that your hope is there. I pray that this message of the risen Christ has made an impact in your life. Christ being risen from the dead, that He has given us forgiveness. He has given us a friend that can be relied upon. He has given us guidance to an unchanging truth. He has given us a life that is not to be pitied, but is one in which others should look at and say, what do they have? Where does this satisfaction come from? What an amazing thing to live for. He has given us ministry that is fruitful. He has given us everlasting joy and hope. 
that we too one day will be with God and that our loved ones who have died in Christ are there awaiting us. I urge you this morning to trust in this message. If you have not trusted in this message, we're going to have a moment of invitation if the Lord is speaking to you and you would like to come forward and and pray or speak to me or make some other commitment, you can come. Whatever it is that the Lord has placed on your heart, perhaps one of these longings that we've been mentioned, one of these things that we have spoken about, you know I have not fully trusted in this. I have not realized this and you need to just pray to the Lord and thank Him. Take this time and do that. However the Lord has spoken to you, I would urge you this morning that you would lift up in your heart and be able to say, worthy is the Lamb who is slain, redeemed us to God by His blood to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing.'"